if the last two weeks mean anything for the Auburn Tigers, the future is very bright. Listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with Bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. We've got two guests today, Lindsey Crosby uh, and Daryl Dapperich, both help out uh, weekly here on, uh, on Locked On Auburn. I'm not positive about this ship's Wi-Fi, so if it drops out, it's you two guys carrying it the rest of the way. But, guys, man, the last uh, the last few days, if there any sign of what's going to happen for Auburn football and this program moving forward, sign me up for some excitement. I mean, the addition of, uh, and flip of Connor Liu and the flip of Tyler Johnson, I mean, there's just so much energy on the recruiting front right now. And it's like, it's been kind of nice because Hugh Freeze and the staff are proven it's like you can recruit offensive linemen and get them from other schools. We haven't seen that in years. And, and we finally seen it. And, and you know, they join Braden Joyner and Clay Whedon. And it's like, man, we actually are, are getting close to like what a normal offensive line class should look like. They need more this year than other years just because of the current state of the roster. But Daryl, your thoughts on on what we've seen on the recruiting trail from Hugh Freeze and company over the last few days? We knew that the emphasis and all the uh, energy was going to be put into recruiting the first two weeks. And that was basically why some of the coordinator hires were delayed a little bit, which to me was really a smart approach to take. Focus on the kids, get kids in here. The, the, The hiring status will be there. And one of the things that I'm very excited about that I'm so glad that this staff is taking this stance is that everybody has this false narrative that to have a good offensive line, you have to have a bunch of five stars and you don't, you need depth. Now, five stars help. I get it. Four stars help. And Almer's got a couple of those. But when you're talking about offensive linemen that take the longest to mature and develop, a ton of high three-star, low four-star kids end up being all SEC players. It's about – it's the only position, I think, along with defensive line maybe, but defensive line can make more of an impact when you have higher stars. It's the only position group that you need quantity. Quality's great, but you're going to find quality in the quantity. So get six or yeah. seven. And don't say, well, that kid's not a five-star, so I don't think I'm going to sign him. That was Harson's theory and he wasn't signing any five stars anyway get as many bigs that you can get and then develop them and if you if you're high on your offensive line coach like they are Thornton in two three years you'll have some bodies that are studs so I love that approach I love going after big numbers along that position group yeah I made the joke with uh with John Garcia our recruiting expert that joins us every now and then here on the show and he's like, well, you can't sign 10 offensive linemen. And I'm like, why not, John? Why can't we sign 10 offensive linemen? Especially, man, especially really, this year. Really, really, yeah. Yeah. Not no, a I, I wouldn't scoff that at all. Right. Yeah, just get to 85 this year, right? There's no signing <laughs> okay. limit. So if it takes 10, by God, get 10. And the way that I view offensive line That's recruiting, right. and, and because I'm the guy that I am, I bring it all back to baseball, is it's very much like pitching. Like it takes more just more guys 
to get the same level of production compared to every other position. And it's because there's just so much that we don't understand about offensive line uh, traits at the high school level that pay off in, in college as compared to a dynamic ball carrier who you can see him jump cut and outrun three guys to the end zone. You're like, okay, yeah, he gets it. He can play in the SEC right now. Offensive line, it's so hard to project yeah. out the development on those guys. I feel like I'm in church right now, sitting in the yeah, front pew, because I want to say hi. I want to say hallelujah to that because it's ex- the the analogy with pitching is incredible. And I think one of the things you need to look at is if you get ten offensive linemen and you get that quantity, guys, then you can be diverse in position groups amongst the offensive line. Get a couple centers. Get a few guards. Get five tackles. You don't have to sign seven guards like Gus Malzahn seemed to like to do, right? I mean, go and get a few centers, a few guards, and that it doesn't matter if they're three stars. The diversity in the position group and by position, to me, is more important. So of these guys that we have on our class so far, Clay Whedon, Braden Joyner, Connor Liu, and Tyler Johnson, which of these guys are you most excited about in regards to path to playing time instant production, instant impact. Lindsay, we'll start with you. So t- to me, looking at the size of a Braden Joiner, right? 6'2", 330 on the interior. Uh, to me, it feels like physically he's probably the most ready. Um, we know that Auburn High School is a, a good high school program, played in the state championship, uh, got beat by a seventh grader, but that happens sometimes when they're very good. Uh, but... I wouldn't count out Connor Liu uh, from what I understand, from what I've done. I know he's a little bit undersized, 6'3", 280. But uh, from what I have heard and what I have read, he can set protections. He is very good with the mental aspect that you need at center. So I think both these guys are good candidates to get early yeah. playing time. Yeah, Connor Liu is mine. And I think it's just because of the positional need. You know, if he's going to be the center – Auburn needs a center. And of all these names that we're kind of hearing, you know, transfer guys that are to come to visit this weekend and all that, you're hearing tackles and some guards. Mm-hmm. You're not hearing a whole lot of centers. So the competition for him may be a little bit uh, a little bit easier than some of these tackles and guards that are coming in. So I, I think Connor Liu is mine. I sent a text to Alex Dono. He hosts Locked on Canes. I sent him a very nice, festive text message after the news. And I said, Merry Flipmas. And he's like, dude, happy for you guys. We honestly think he's like the best center in this class. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens. And traditionally, centers are rated a little bit lower. It's hard to get four or five stars as a center. And so don't be um, – a lot of the places have him as a three-star, so don't don't be turned off by that. Daryl, these four offensive linemen, which one, uh, which one gets you the most hype? Well, I have to just uh, dejectedly say you stole all my thunder. Because exactly what you said is exactly what I was going to say. But that's okay, brother. Uh, You know, cruise life kind of has you doing those things. I think that just because of positional need, right, I agree with you 100%, and that's what I was going to say. Positional need, it looks like Auburn's biggest need to fill, even with Tate Johnson coming back, is the center position. And we saw that this year with revolving door at center. So that's why I think Lou – is the number one possibility to play. But I agree with Lindsey. Remember, Joyner can play center. He, he has he can play center. So if that's the case, you know, I don't know how high I am on Tate Johnson and, Tate, and, and Jaleel Irvin. So center seems like the path of, of 
of a recruiting class, the high school kids, most to, to playing time because I think Auburn is going to, along with Jeremiah Wright and Zaire, I think Auburn's going to bring in some massive guard and tackle transfer portals that are going to come in and step in and play right away. Therefore, the high school kids will not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I know there's a lot of energy about recruiting and, and all that goes along with that right now. But as far as 2023 impact, it's all about these coordinators. What should we think about these coordinator hires? We'll get uh, Daryl and Lindsay's thoughts on that in just a moment. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks and a few becomes a few too many. It's time to go. And for a moment, you think of calling for a ride and nah, you say you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make a home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license, you lose your job, you lose your car, or you kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride, drive sober, or get pulled over. Lindsey Crosby, Daryl Daffridge, our guests today. All right, so Auburn hires Philip Montgomery, 1L. Can't stress that enough. And, um, and Ron Roberts, to lead the defense, Ron Daryl. Uh, we have Roberts with your... one S. Correct, <laughs> and one N, one N. Yes, Daryl with uh with two R's and two L's. What are your uh, what are your thoughts on the on these two hires? First of all, I have the opportunity to publicly give props to our man up there, Lindsey Crosby, who, if you remember, when we did the reaction show with Charlie Five right after Hugh Freeze was hired and we started throwing out potential candidates, Lindsey was the only one on any hot board, any website that mentioned, and Ron Roberts was his first name that he mentioned. And then, like, right after that, he got fired. So it kind of settled down. Not that you were the kiss of death or anything, Lindsey. But I think that when I go back and look at some of the uh, – Wait, said Roberts, Lindsey? Yeah. Oh, he did. Go back. Yeah, he, he was his first name that rolled Whoa. off his lips. The very first name that rolled off Lindsey Crosby's lips was Ron Roberts. And because I'm Rain Man, I remembered that. I mean, we were quad like, box in here when it happened. Yep, sure was. Props. Okay, it was, Props. The, Q, it was the Q3 show when we Correct. Went when he got hired. That's when you said Correct. it? Correct. Yep, he what did. Made you, what, what made you say his name, Lindsey? So kind of looking at the the idea of finding a guy who could be the head coach of the defense, right? And and honestly, we had been talking a lot about potential, like who would be the offensive line coach, who would be the offensive coordinator. And to me, it just felt like the situation we were in, and it's the reason we talk about Roberts now, is the ability to manufacture pressure and having lesser athletes. And, and at the moment, we're going to have lesser athletes in some of these other teams. And so it made sense to right. me as a guy who can do more with less compared to, I mean, anybody can take a bunch of four and five stars and make a pretty good defense. But Roberts did it at Baylor. And him shutting down, part of it too was a little bit of spite at Lane Kiffin. And I was like, okay, who's done well against Lane Kiffin? Well, Ron Roberts and Baylor shut them down in the bowl game. So... That was and o- and Oklahoma and, and Lincoln Oklahoma. and stinking Lincoln Riley, which is not easy to do. So I agree. He can take three star guys and schematically do some things. And I think at Auburn, he'll get better talent on the defensive side of the ball than he did at Baylor. And so I think I, I it's a great man. His resume is outstanding. His veteran experience his his way yeah. to relate with players. I, I love the hire on that aspect because 
schematically he's done more with less. Mm-hmm. And right now, and he's also very, very good against the spread. He's very good against that no huddle, throw it all over the yard. And look, this isn't the SEC of 20 years ago. This is the offenses that you're going to face in the SEC. In the Big 12, with that wide open run and shoot, spread it all over the place, throw it all over the place, uh, offenses they run, and the SEC transitioning to that, that's especially why I like to hire. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's a solid one, and the more I think about it, the more I like it. So yesterday's show, we had Drake Toll, host of Locked On Baylor, on, and he wasn't a fan of the hire. And a big argument of his was that it was really Aranda's defense. But it's like Roberts hired Aranda. Roberts right. taught Aranda the defense. So like I don't know if that argument holds water. If I'm being honest, yeah, it was at Delta State in 2007. Aranda was defensive coordinator under Roberts. And that that kind of overlaps. I, I graduated Division II Valdosta State in 2008. Delta State's in the same conference. And so I got to see some of that, uh, you know, there from the stands and from the sidelines and all of that. And so, I mean, it is, it is Ron Roberts' defense. Now, it made sense for the two of them to work together. Roberts really does feel like he's better as a defensive coordinator when he doesn't have the extra responsibilities a head coach does. And so it made sense that Aranda would sure. bring him back to run that defense. But it was Ron Roberts' defense. Uh, from what I understand, he was the one that was was setting up the creepers, was scheming it up, was diving into film and preparing for matchups on Saturday. And I think that he's going to have a heck of a time doing that in the SEC when he gets some of these better caliber athletes than what he got at Baylor. And I do think if you look a little bit Take a little bit of what 2022 looked like for Baylor with a grain of salt. They did lose a lot of talent to the NFL draft. I want to say four of their top five tacklers were all drafted uh, by the NFL. And so the 2021 defense is more indicative of what a Ron Roberts defense looks like. And like Daryl mentioned, uh, they they held Oklahoma to 14 points and 260 yards. First time uh, Oklahoma did not have a passing touchdown in 65 games. And then they go out and they hold um, Old Miss to seven points and collect ten sacks. So and and plenty of turnovers. That's the big thing. Seventeen forced turnovers in twenty twenty, including twelve interceptions, which is just a thing that we have not had from an Auburn defense in a while. That opportunistic turnover defense. Let me just say this too, and I think this is a key point: is that sometimes fan bases fall in love with the last thing they saw. And forget about the whole body of work. I mean, Kevin Steele's defense got shredded this year in Miami. But I want to give one specific example. Everybody loved Brett Venables and was high on Brett Venables. But there was a time where he got his rear end handed to him in a bowl game one time as defensive coordinator for Clemson. And I can't remember who they played. And they gave up like – it was West Virginia – they gave up like 55 or 60 points and 500 yards, and everybody wanted to run him out on a rail that were Clemson fans. He stayed. Dabo a, stayed with him. It was a Pat White offense, right? It, it was a Pat White offense that got beat <clears throat> by Pitt to not go to the national championship game. But anyway, so they, they got absolutely hammered, and everyone wanted him gone. Dabo stayed the course, high, kept him on staff, and he was, you know, say what you want about it. He's a weird dude. But the fact was he was integral in, in, in what happened with Clemson and winning national championships. So don't let the last thing you saw be the, the thing. I mean, Lane Kiffin's offense has struggled late 
Steve Sarkeesian's offensive struggled late sometimes in those in the Alabama playoff games. But Nick Saban stuck with them, and they went on to get, do things somewhere else and do things better. So it's not the last thing you saw. Look at the whole body of work. So the guy that you had on um, is basically – you know, he's Baylor, and I get it. He's thinking about what he saw last, but not look, forgetting about what he saw previous years. Sure. All right, so who are some of these players that can stand out and take a big step because of these coordinator hires in 2023? We share our answers in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at betonline.net. is your number one source for all of your betting info, stats, news, and analysis. They've got more props, odds, and lines than anyone else on the interwebs, so you want to be sure to check out everything they have to offer, whether it's getting ready for the bowl season, whether it's getting ready for the college football playoff games, uh, the NBA is going on, college basketball is going on, whatever it may be, be sure to check it out. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Lindsey Crosby and Daryl Daprich joining us for this whole special show because I have no internet whatsoever and you guys are both incredible. So as we discuss these coordinator hires, and I think we can definitely see some upside from both of these, uh, both of these decisions. Let's both share an offensive player and a defensive player that benefit and could take a big step next year with these hires. Daryl, you want to go first on this one? I will. We didn't touch on what Phil Montgomery brings to the table. Let me just say this. Another example of a, of a narrative of, oh, the dude got fired. Yeah, he got fired as a sitting head coach. So did Will Muschamp. But people would have walked over broken glass to get him. Steve Sarkeesian got fired from USC in Washington. And look how well uh, ex, you know respected and, and wanted he was. So Phil Montgomery's a guy that Robert Griffin III said, if you're a quarterback – in any kind of system, you're going to love playing for him. So the obvious one is Robbie Ashford. This guy's kind of been a quarterback whisperer with Bryce Petty, Robert Griffin III, Case Keenum. So I'm going to go with Robbie Ashford with the caveat of a 1 and a 1A. Griffin went on to say, hey, but he, if he's got to run it 40 times to win, he'll run it 40 times. So I think Hunter and Ashford will be the two that will benefit the most from a Phil Montgomery-coordinated offense. I'm going right, to go we'll stay on the trend of offense. Yeah, go ahead, Lindsay. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit different just because one, I mean, Hunter and Ashford are kind of kind of slam dunks here, but I'll remind you that at Tulsa, yeah. this offense, that that offense made history. It was the first NCAA team with a 3,000-yard passer, 2,000-yard rushers and 2,000-yard receivers in the same season. And so I think mm. looking at mm. your wide receiver talent uh, Phil Montgomery is very good at having an explosive passing attack, uh, you know, and getting the ball to his playmakers and letting them make plays. They were, uh, I want to say, in the different, like while Robert Griffin III was at Baylor, they were in the top 15 nationally almost every year in passing plays of 30 plus yards. They went like 15th, then second, and then first and first and first. And so Camden Brown is a guy to me Ooh. that can absolutely eat in this offense. You're going to be able to get him the ball down the field. You're going to be able to get him yeah. the ball in space. You're going to be able to get him the ball like early, often, and feed your playmakers out wide so that they can just, just produce for you uh, versus being one-dimensional and being stuck running the ball. Provided you have offensive line to protect, I'm confident that Robbie Ashford or whoever it may be at quarterback 
will have plenty of opportunities to feed Camden Brown. And here's the thing I'm excited about. Yeah, I was very excited about the Cam Brown reference. Here's the thing, too, before I go on the defensive side of the ball. It seems to me that this staff will do a really good job schematically overcoming any inadequacies. So let's say, like we kind of suspect, Auburn's offensive line is going to be suspect. I think the offense that they scheme and the play calling that they run, unlike the previous regime, will try to to, to scheme around that and try to do what they need to do to say, okay, there's an inadequacy. There's a deficiency here along, along the offensive line. What plays can we call? What offense can we, we run to mask that? I've already heard Montgomery's good at that. I've already heard Thornton, the offensive line coach, is good at that. So that's something to keep in mind that until the offensive line matures and we get some dudes and some bodies, we may see some play calling that is able to mask that. From a defensive side, it's obvious to me. Let me get my offensive player real yeah. quick there. You know, Go ahead. Sure, yeah, I'm sorry. I, yeah, so we, we, we talked about offensive line earlier, and you, you, you mentioned offensive line may not be great, but I think Jeremiah Wright is a guy that the staff really, really likes. Um, I, looking at all their tape, I, I think he's the only, like, guaranteed starter going into next year. I think they see him as the SEC caliber offensive lineman. Everybody else has to get to that point. Um, just hearing that from folks close to the staff, I think Jeremiah Wright is a guy that could take a big step. Now, will we see all of that because the offensive line is such a unit? I don't know. But I think him as an individual player in the NFL draft paying attention to him, I think Jeremiah Wright is my offensive player. Um, since you guys took all the, the flashy picks, I'll go with the offensive yeah. line. All right. That's Darryl, a good one. Give me, uh, all right, give, me, give me a defensive player. Well, Roberts runs a 3-4. And I just think Jason Jones is going to absolutely have a monster year and is going to eat from that position in the nose guard. I just – I love it. I think it's going to be a great type of scenario. And, look, people think that 3-4 defenses, that the nose tackles, all they do is, uh, you know, uh, engage with offensive tackles and, 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 and basically are used as, as pluggers and people that are engaged with them so the ends can get upfield and that kind of thing. I think Jason Jones is talented enough and strong enough that he's you know, whipping the center and the guard in this 3-4. I really like his potential, and I think he's going to benefit the most from a Roberts-led defense. Yeah, right. and, yeah Jason Jones is a good one. Yeah, go ahead, Baylor really picked up defensively when they got that big nose tackle guy, so I love that. If you look at what Ron Roberts loves to, loves to do, the two unique positions that I think are your biggest playmakers on the field uh, are going to be your jack, which is your combination outside linebacker edge guy. He's that overhang guy on the, you know, on the, the, the three, four and your star, which is that, mm -hmm. that defensive back safety corner, nickel hybrid kind of guy. And so Jason Jones was going to be my pick spoiler alert. So I got to come off of that. And I really, I'm trying to think about who fits in that star role really well uh, at Baylor, the guy who was the starter at star led the team in tackles for loss every single year, no matter who it was, because that's how that scheme is, is set up. And so find a defensive back who is not afraid to get his nose dirty in, coverage, or in, in, in run support, who can cover in the flats, cover tight ends, cover uh, shallow zones, medium zones. It, he's a little undersized for it, but it feels like Donovan Kaufman is a guy that can, that can play down in the box when he's, you know, uh, to an extent, given his size, 5'10", 205, can cover out wide, can do a lot of those different things. And I think provided that unless somebody else comes in that that is 
physically more set for the position, or if you see somebody put on a little bit of strength like a Caden Bridges, then somebody like that, somebody in that star position is going to eat in this defense. Yeah, I, I think Donovan Kaufman's that guy right now. We'll have to see who steps up there. And he's he's the best safety on this roster too. So, you know, maybe they want to use somebody else in that role. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's Kaufman. I think it's a good answer. I'm going to go – with um, I'm gonna go with Cam Riley because I think uh, we're not hearing a whole lot of smoke about other linebackers, and so there's a chance that he's gonna have to have a big role on this defense. And, and the last staff wanted him to have a big role, and I think some injuries um, kind of held him back a little bit. But Roberts is a linebackers guy as well at Baylor. He was the defensive coordinator, but he was also the linebackers coach, and that's kind of where. You know, uh, and I talked to Drake Toll about this at Locked On Baylor. Baylor's linebackers were really, really good, and so maybe, maybe that'll help. Um, maybe that'll help a guy like Cam Riley kind of take that next step because physically, he checks every box that you want, right? It's just that instincts. Can can he take that next step there? Um, Cam Riley's my pick for this. So, guys, thank y'all so much for stepping in. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Daryl, how can people check out everything you got going on? Then, then Lindsay. Yeah, uh, DAP6410 at Twitter, Monday mornings, Auburn Opelika this morning with our good friend Ben Taylor, about 7 to 10. We do a sports segment till 7.30. Uh, and then, obviously, I'm on here with some reaction shows with basketball and uh, football. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked in Movie Prospects, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find the Auburn writing, auburndaily.com, and the merch, aushirts.com. You can find all my written work at auburndaily.com as well. And we will be back tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.